So, like I said, happy Easter. So the question is, what is Easter? Uh, Easter is the most important day of the Christian calendar. Here's where we celebrate Jesus of Nazareth, risen from the dead, proving that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was accepted by God. We know that, according to the scriptures, we know that Jesus came to earth, God as a baby, lived a perfect life. He um, never sinned. He was chosen by God and himself to be to be a sacrifice because we've all committed evil in our lives. We've all committed sin. We've all done wrong, wrong things. And Jesus came to be a sacrifice so that all the wrong things that we have done were placed on Jesus as he died on the cross. Um, and he bore the wrath of God. He died on the cross. And then three days later, he rose from death. And that shows that his death on the cross was not in vain, but they was accepted by God. It also demonstrates his life beyond this life. This life is not all there is. And that Christian resurrection starts with Jesus and extends to all who believe in him. Joe, can you read 1 Corinthians 15, um, 20 to 27? 15, 1 yeah. Corinthians 15, 20 to 27. Sure. Uh, is, it, is it clear, my voice? Very clear. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses uh, 3 20 to 27. To First, 20 to 27. 20 to 27 first? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 27. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, come, came death by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. But each one in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he has Amen. put yes. all things under his feet. Amen. Yes. So we see from, from that passage that Christ was the first, and then the first believers, and then all of us will be uh, resurrected and started with Jesus being risen from the dead. Uh, and this is a very important message, and I think we're living in a very um, uncertain and uh, hopeless time, uh, probably more than any other in this situation. Um, we can feel like throwing in the towel because many of the things that we thought we could hope other things in our lives uh, have been turned upside down. Uh, we have had a global pandemic that has cost the lives of nearly 3 million people, some of those people we have known. 
beyond this, it, the the COVID nineteen pandemic has thrown the world into chaos, with governments closing down airports, heavily restricting travel, with many like myself being stuck away from their families or people from their friends, people from their work. We also see governments and corporations using the pandemic to further evil agendas and their own purposes um, to lock undesirable people out of the country or um, many other selfish and uh, agendas that are not, that are not in line with God's will and hurting the most vulnerable. Um, many of us have lost jobs or have been threatened into losing their jobs. Um, all of the things that we have enjoyed uh, in our lives, like hugging people, touching them in the physical closeness, that is, they instead bring fear instead of uh, happiness, right? We've seen churches, our church, the church in Kuwait has not been able to meet physically in over a year. Over a year, we have not been able to meet. Um, and even many of those in other countries, you know, there are churches open in America where I am, um, but there's still many that are not coming because fear or um, their their lifestyle has changed and Sunday is not a very convenient day for them. And it's just, it's just an ugly time. It feels like um, if you've ever had plugged in a, like a, a battery, like a, maybe to your router or to your computer, if you ever plugged it in for um, a really long time, I did this one time, I left it, my computer plugged in over the summer. And when I came back, um, it exploded. Like the, the battery, like it, because it was plugged in for so long and overcharged and overfilled, it, it busted out of the case of the laptop. And I couldn't use the laptop. I couldn't use the computer. Um, and it, it's actually quite dangerous that you push those away right away. And I've done that with computers and laptops. And I feel like many feel that way. Like we've been overcharged we're full and we're about to explode or maybe some of us have already exploded. I'm not sure if I've exploded or not, but I'm somewhere on that spectrum of about to or have. So, I mean, this has been a, a rough time. We feel like the ground has kind of opened up and we're in free fall. And it doesn't look like there's an end in sight. I read something on the Kuwait Times where they're going to keep these uh, restrictions in place at the end of 2022, uh, the health restrictions. So it feels like there's no control over our lives and futures. And so both within and without the church, uh, I think we need hope now more than ever um, any other time in our generation. And this, uh, friends, is the promise of Easter. The resurrection of Jesus is a sure and certain event that we can hang all our hopes on. We can hang all our hopes on this. Um, so what is hope? What is hope? Let's talk about that for just a moment. Um, we use the hope word hope in different ways. Hope can just be one something good in the future. Um, for example, I want you, I'm hoping that the Kuwait airport will open soon so I can get back to my family. Um, we also use hope to explain the reason behind the hope. So I've heard people say, you know, everyone is hoping 
to things get for things to get back to normal because of the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, the vaccine is the reason for the hope that things will get back to normal. And I want to focus the, uh, this evening on Easter being the ultimate reason for our hope because it is so sure that we can have an expectation and a confidence that will happen. It is not just a wish based on nothing, but it's hope based facts and miracles and history. So we can be sure this is not hope, it's just a wish. This is on reasons. Um, so Michaela, can you read um, Matthew 28, 1 through 10? This is the passage I'm going to talk about briefly. Um, yep, can everyone hear me? Okay. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word and as they went to tell his disciples behold Jesus met them saying rejoice and they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him then Jesus said to them do not be afraid go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me amen so yes we see in verse 1 that Mary Magdalene and Mary went to to see the tomb. So in their minds, this was the death of all their hopes and dreams in Jesus. They were going to see the tomb. Um, it says in Proverbs that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I don't know what it means when the hope is destroyed or crushed or obliterated. Um, we know from these women that Mary, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene or Mary of Magdala According to Mark's gospel, she had several demons cast out of her by Jesus. And both of these women, Mary, the mother of James, and also Salome, you see, you saw in the painting, there's three women. And that's what Mark's gospel also brings to the, to the story, that there was three women along with um, the two Marys. They, these women had uprooted their lives along with the other disciples. They... they wanted to follow Jesus and join him as part of his itinerant preaching about the coming of the kingdom of God. Um, this is what they were hoping for. Uh, Jesus taught them that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. And they, however, they almost certainly thought of it as at best a hybrid of the spiritual and the physical because other, um, other people of that day 
were commonly looking for a Messiah to free them from um, Roman oppression. What they wanted was a new golden age for the Hebrews, as it was in the time of David and Solomon. They wanted the Messiah to release them from the oppression and opposition of the Roman government and to be a great nation again on the earth. Under the Roman rule, they were able to maintain their faith, but they were constantly overtaxed and lived in a fear. It lived in fear of reprisals or state-sponsored terrorism. Um, they wanted Jesus. It'd be like having myself or Abiel or Dell or one of the pastors that you know also being the king of Kuwait. Can you imagine the kind of influence or affluence you could have for Kuwait if you had a Christian leader in one of those roles? Right? That's, that's kind of what they wanted. They wanted Jesus, yes, to be, bring a spiritual kingdom, but they also wanted to bring a physical kingdom. Um, so these women and the other disciples, they went all in on Jesus. They bet their lives. They left their professions. They're thinking this is the guy who's going to change everything for us. And they bet their lives on this man who would bring spiritual and physical change to their world. However, this was all gone. This is all gone with the death, death of the man that they had put all their hope and love in. They saw him publicly rejected, tortured, and murdered by both the Jewish and the secular leaders of the day, crushing any hope in their minds of a physical or spiritual kingdom. Rather, they were going to um, see Jesus' body and perfume it and to mourn and to find a way to accept the loss. And this is elaborated some in Mark's gospel as well. And it was an accepted Jewish custom of the time uh, to mourn graveside, both within and without the tomb for about a week. Um, they all, the, they ha the, the dead had clothes that they were wrapped in, um, covering both the body and another cloth that covers the head. And this is not so different from what we do today. Um, you know, we when we have funerals, I had an open casket funeral full for my dad. And it was, I've never so, sobbed so hard in my life when I saw his lifeless, waxy body that I knew wasn't my dad, but it was just a shell. And this was designed to help me to accept and try to process this loss and this death. So... And this, this was true in the Jewish culture. They had a time of mourning, especially those who were close to the deceased, where they looked at the form of the body wrapped in these cloths, and that helped them to accept and mourn. Uh, and I can say it was, it was pure anger, anguish, bitterness, seeing one of the people who loved me most in my life there in the, in dead. Um, so how much more do you think it was for these women who Jesus was probably like a father and a savior and a hero and all their hopes were hung on him. Their hope for a future, it's all gone. That's what they, that's why they were there. Now, if you look at, if you move ahead to verse two, six, we see in this passage that Jesus was not at the tomb, but rather, as Michaela said, an angel of the Lord rolled back the stone and this angel terrified the guards' immobility. They were like dead men, and likely the women as well. 
which is why the angel said, do not be afraid, because they were probably scared to death as well. He then tells them the incredible news that Jesus has risen. This is impossible. This makes no sense. People do not get to come back from death. This is the end, at least, of life on earth. You know, people tend to beat up the disciples for not believing Jesus' word um, that he, he's going to come back. But I, I don't blame them. I mean, it is impossible, right? If we have, there are people who have said they're coming back from death or that they're never going to die. But those people are usually crazy people or mentally ill or wrong, right? So I, I cut them a lot of slack. Um, because what Jesus said was impossible, and this is what the angel is telling them. And the, the angel goes further. He wants to add further clarity, just to make this uh, as, as clear as possible to them. He, the angel instructs them to see where he was, see where he lay. Um, for many, in for Jewish culture of that day, those who are rich, there is a shelf that's cut into the wall where the body is laying, which is probably what the angel showed them. Also, according to John's gospel, the grave clothes were lying there as along with a folded uh, face cloth. So they see the place where his body is. They see the grave clothes. They see the face cloth. And all this is designed to add confidence and explain the reason of this news that they had received from the angel. There are plenty of monuments and tombs of dead religious people and political leaders, but the angel is saying he's no longer there. Unlike those people, Jesus did die. He was laid here, but he rose up from death, got up and left the tomb. And he wants these women to have an informed, not a merely blind faith. And if you can imagine all these emotions these women were going through, right? They were facing grief and loss as they were going to the tomb, paying their respects and saying goodbye to their friends, their leader, their hero, their savior, and the most powerful, wise person they have known. Then they are terrified and bewildered that there's an angel sitting on top of this very heavy stone laid in a track moved away with Roman soldiers also on their faces like dead people. Then their expectations are completely blown away because the angel said that the impossible has happened in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They, they were probably emotionally full and stunned as they are trying to process all this. I mean, this is, this would be take years to process something like this. But this is why the angel is telling them what to do. He says, go quickly and tell the disciples that Jesus will meet them at their usual meeting spot in Galilee. And then we see in verse 8, they are afraid yet filled with joy. You know, Matthew mentions these mix of emotions with fear and joy. Uh, they're probably thinking this doesn't make sense. Everything they thought about the Messiah was turned on its head, showing that the fear that they felt. We love Jesus and thought he was going to be the man to overturn the Roman government, but we must have been wrong, right? How can this possibly be true? What does this mean for following him? What does this mean about my life and my death and my future? 
at the same time, Jesus is alive and they hope they get to see him and they know that their journey with and for him is not over. Their journey is not over. They thought it was the end. You know, the, the disciples went back to fishing. These women didn't know what they were going to do with their lives. But what the angel said is also showing them that this, their journey with Jesus is not over. So they begin to run because this is the best news that they could have been told and they need to share it. And finally, in verse 9, their hope is fully restored and infused with reality because they suddenly see him. It says in verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. They see with their own eyes the one they also saw murdered, and he is fully alive and speaks peace or shalom to them. So overcome with joy and happiness that they fall down and they worship him. They grabbed his feet as both a sign of their worship and submission and to have that physical connection with Jesus, the man, not the ghost. And I think this, this is important because God made us for physical connection. And that hope is, is fully realized for them, fully real, when they get to, to touch and t- hold his feet. And, and, and we know this is true for us. The things I miss most about my family is hugging my wife, hugging my kids, seeing them, hugging them with uh, affection, physical. And that's how we all are, are made. And this is kind of the culmination of the, of the women. They want to touch him and they see and, and, and feel him. And we also see this. John's gospel um, shows this idea of the physical connection because Jesus tells Thomas to put his hands on his side and he also, his hands on his hands and on his side, and he also worshiped Jesus. Put your hands here. Put your hands here. Touch me. I am real. I am alive. So this physical touching of Jesus' feet turns their hope into reality. This is the hope and the joy of Easter, that Jesus rose from death and the grave, shifting the paradigm of life and death to one of eternal life. The curse that we all receive from Adam is that all humanity and nature must succumb to death. However, Jesus reverses the curse by himself coming back to life and the restoration of redeemed humanity and the world itself. So what was moves from life to decays into death, that is going the other way. Things that are dead are becoming alive and they're going to live forever. The hope for the women in this counts and the other disciples is joined with reality. They went from having no hope that Jesus was alive and then seeing him alive and well. This changed everything for them. They're probably beginning to get the idea what Jesus mentioned, that Jesus did not come to bring a physical kingdom. In any physical kingdom, people get sick and die still. Even the best earthly empire, empires have brokenness and evil in them. Think of the Roman Empire, one of the greatest empires in human history. They had indoor thing two years ago. It's incredible. But they only let land-holding men vote. They were constantly in fights and enjoyed state-sponsored terrorism and used fear and submission to bring people into their empire. 
So that's not the kingdom Jesus is talking about. He came to bring a spiritual kingdom where none of this brokenness remains. This is the end of Easter and Jesus' kingdom. And this is summarized in Revelation 21. And if, um, Eunice, can you read the scriptures from Revelation 21, 1 through 6? Revelation 21, 1 to 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. Amen. Amen. That's the kingdom I want to be a part of. That's the kingdom where I want to live. So we see that these women were just beginning to see that this in the resurrection of Christ. So what does that mean for us today? How can Jesus be our hope? We did not get to see and hold Jesus in the flesh alive like these women. How can we have their same joy and a hope that's not a wish but a concrete expectation? Here are some facts that will help you uh, strengthen your hope of this resurrected king. First, we see that the women were first to see them. According to first century accounts of both Jewish and Roman literature, they say that women were not highly regarded as witnesses or spokespersons to events. So if this was an invented story, they would not have put the women as being the first person to Jesus. And this is something that the early church is probably potentially embarrassing for the early church, but what is written. And we know historical accuracy, uh, one of the tests is that are there things that are not accepted, that are outside of the culture, or things that are embarrassing? Those things give it more veracity for its truth. So this idea that women were the first, it's, it's mostly unheard of, but this is what is written, and that gives its accuracy. Also, we see that Jesus appears over three people. Women were not people that he appeared to. He appeared to his disciples multiple times, as well as other disciples. This was no secret. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says that, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Therefore, the majority of the 500 people who saw Jesus were alive when he wrote this. And the people at the time could have challenged this, yet we have no record of any challenge to the resurrection. This is a historical proof of the time that Jesus did come back from death. Finally, we see that the text cited above, it does not originally even come from Paul and is much closer to the time of Jesus' resurrection. 
what Paul is quoting here is part of a creedal formula that was already in circulation at the time. Here's the entire creed. Uh, Joe, if you could read 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 6. First Corinthians 15, chapter 15, verses 3 to 6. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the great the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. So we know that Paul's letter to the Corinthians was dated around 50 AD, and this is one of the earliest of his letters and earliest of the New Testaments. Now, Paul says this is something that he received, originally from Paul, meaning that he received it earlier. We all know this is a, a previous, because the words of Greek in the New Testament are used nowhere else by Paul showing this is a repetition that he heard from something else. And we also know that all New Testament scholars, even Christian and non-Christian, agree that this creed was in circulation from about a few months to a few years after Jesus' resurrection. So it's very close to the time. So the early church, even the church in Acts, were probably reading this and reciting it and memorizing this. And this is what gives credence to the closeness of uh, this, these 500 people and his death and his resurrection very much close to the actual happen. Beyond these facts, there are some other things you can do to let the truth and beauty of Jesus' resurrection go from our up here to our hearts. First, we can read passages about the Bible, about the resurrection of Christ, the four Gospels. Uh, the account in 1 Corinthians 15, and many other passages that discuss the resurrection should be part of a regular intake to bring this hope into our lives. And this is especially true as, as the chaos and insanity of this life, reading, reading the scriptures and memorizing these passages will fortify that truth. And yes, many of us are totally exha exhausted and we've had long days and I could totally stare at a wall sometimes. But there are things you can do. You can listen to the Bible in your car on the way to and from work. You can put index cards in places in your house. You can listen to worship music that discusses the resurrection and play them while you're doing other things, working out of the dishes. So it does not need to take up all your, your free time to do this. The second thing is that we can pray. We can pray that this would go into our hearts. You know, I often pray like the like the dad in Mark of the of the person who had a unclean spirit asked Jesus to heal his son and he says you can do if you believe I can do all things and the father says I believe help my unbelief so I pray this often about my myself in, refer, in reference to resurrection I believe but help my unbelief my skepticism my cynicism um so I encourage you to pray, as I've been praying this week, continue to pray, that this would be something that we don't just believe in our minds, but in our hearts. In conclusion, I know that you want hope 
you want breakthrough, you want miracles, you want chains being broken, you want an unshakable conviction of eternal life. It all starts here at the resurrection of Jesus. This is the most powerful truth of Christianity, as important, if not more important, than the cross, because it proves the cross. Paul says something similar in 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 19. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most to be pitied. However, if this is true, which it is true, it changes everything about life, about our work, our relationships, money, pleasure. Think about it. If Jesus was raised from the dead, then that means we'll also be raised from the dead. If we are raised from the dead, then this life is not all there is. If this life is not all there is, then everything we do and feel can be put into perspective. Not that the struggle isn't real or the pain isn't real. It's not what I'm saying. However, even if things never get better or if there's no let up from your suffering, even if you cry until you meet Jesus, as people have, then we know that Jesus will wipe those tears from our eyes and give us unending bliss, happiness, fulfillment, joy for a billion years. And that's just the first beginning of our resurrection life. So let's ask God to believe this deep in our hearts. Let me pray. God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your resurrection. This, this is the true meaning of Easter. I pray for each one of us that this, would, this idea would become unfamiliar to us, that would become new and fresh and exciting in our minds, not checking a box about, okay, we did the Easter thing, but we want it to transform how we live and how we, um, how we go about our daily lives. God, please help us to do this. We ask this in your name. Amen.